All right. We are in Matthew, the 14th chapter. We left it off last week. Jesus was walking on the water. We're going to pick it up there again at verse 25. So back up a little bit. Matthew 14, verse 25. So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. These guys were out on the lake all night long trying to cross the other side, working like crazy. They still hadn't got to the other side. Number one, it was a big lake, but it wasn't like Lake Michigan. It's still just a lake. But the wind was against them all night long, and it's blowing and stuff, and they're working across, and it seems no matter how hard they tried, they didn't get very far. Ever feel like that in your life? <laughs> Everything you're trying to do to get somewhere, and it's like, you can't get there. It's like, ah. So anyway, these guys, the middle of the night, dead pitch black. They're rowing, and the Bible says when this, uh, Jesus went out walking on, the, walking on the lake, they see him, they freak out. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Last week we talked about this, how many people, when they contemplate Jesus, their immediate response is fear. They are afraid of Jesus. They cling desperately to the things that they have in their life that tends to sink them down, afraid to let go of it because they're afraid of what they don't know. Uh, Many people hang on to bitternesses, anger, unforgiveness, sins, all the different things they shouldn't be doing. And they see Jesus and they freak out because they don't want to let go of what they have even though it's causing them to sink uh, you would think people would be more willing to let go, but we're, you know, there's just something wrong with us. Uh, poisoned by sin and the thinking of sin, we just don't think clearly. It's like someone jumping in the water. If a boat's sinking and you jump in the water, you tend to just go in with just you know as little as possible because you're going to have to swim. You don't grab two of the heaviest suitcases you have and jump in the water. You know, and it's pulling you down. Help me, I'm having a hard time. Let go. No, it's my suitcase. You know, people just hang on to this stuff, even though it weighs them down. And Anyway, like I said, there's something wrong with us. People are scared. They see Jesus. They freak out. Jesus immediately says to them, chill out. Take courage. He didn't say chill out. That would have been my version. Chill out. We need like the hip version of the Bible. Just put in hip talk. Chill out, y'all. It's all right. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I'm not sure what his logic is here. They think it's a ghost. They are freaking. No one has ever in the history of mankind seen anybody walk on water. Things like that tend to stand out. So they're freaking. The wind's going, they see this. It's a ghost. And he says, no, it's I. And he says, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. Now, I don't know what his thinking was that he thought a ghost wouldn't tell him to come out. If I'm a ghost, I'm saying, yeah, come on. <laughs> See ya. You know, for some, for some reason, he thought this was a good filtering mechanism. He would tell me to come out. So he does tell him to come out. So he, he comes out there. And, uh, and the Bible says, uh, Peter uh, got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, stop and think about this. I don't think a lot of people think about this much, but uh, it's stunning how little detail is in the Bible about things that happen. And that's from the beginning all the way to the end. It's stunning that there's not more detail. At times, it's a little frustrating because you're thinking, you have all these questions when something happens. Like, well, what happened? What? You know, some people say... Um, you know, the Bible is just a bunch of stories. No, 
if these are stories, these guys really bite at this. Because this isn't much of a story. They never tell you anything, right? If I'm writing this story, this is like three paragraphs long, at least. Easy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a... I'm a chapter or two telling this story, you know, talking about what happened and the wind blowing and Peter looks over and he starts to step out of the boat and the water splashing and all his friends are... Now, you know what the other 11 are thinking. Don't do it! They're all probably... Gra- There's so much drama they could have. It's one of the ways you know that these things... Because these guys just told you the facts. And they almost had to overcome human desire not to... I would have given, wouldn't you? Man, I'd love telling stories. I love to, you know, sometimes I tell a little too much detail. But I mean, you, you just want to tell all this. And these guys, they said nothing. They just tell you what happened, what happened, what happened, what happened. These weren't things they made up. They're just telling you the facts. But man, what had to be going on at this thing? These guys, this guy's starting to step out of the boat. All his friends are warning him. You're great. Remember, they think it's a ghost. It's a ghost. What are you doing? You can't walk on the water. You're going to die. And I'll tell you what. There's a great analogy here. You start stepping out of the boat and starting to trust God in your life, you'll be amazed how many people will yell, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, you can't give your life to Jesus. It'll be terrible. Oh, all the reasons you can't do stuff. It's amazing. Now, a lot of them are doing it out of care. You know, they love Peter. You know, it wasn't like they were all sitting back going, <laughs> watch this, you guys. You know, I'm sure they were trying to pull him back. Stop! But sometimes even the most well-intentioned people aren't really helping you. And it's really hard to filter that out. A lot of that stuff just comes through prayer and... Getting the best advice you can from people and stuff. But don't be surprised when you step out in any area of faith in your life. You start to serve God. uh, People will think you're crazy. And they will fight you. Man, you just try to give too much money in the offering today. Your wife will hit you. Stop that. You know, I mean, there's, you know, something. People don't want you to do stuff. It's too uncomfortable. It freaks them out. All my life, I've heard this. My whole life has been, all the other pastors in my life all told me, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't do that. You know, because well, they all come out of these Bible colleges. They're all, you know, they all come out with the same stamp, you know. That's why they tend to all look the same and all sound the same. And they have that very professional pastor's voice that they use. They can't say God, they have to say God. I want to thank God for everything he's been doing in our lives. I'm like, who? Who's God? I don't know. You can't say that. You know, I would ask him, well, is it true? What am I saying? Yeah, well, that's true, but you can't say it. I mean, it's not like they disagreed with it. You can't say it. Apparently, you can't talk about anything, you know. My whole life is doing everything he said not to do. Seems to work for me. <laughs> But, oh, don't get out of the don't get out of the Anyway, he gets out of the boat and starts to walk on the water. Again, the analogy. I keep shutting this because I got like 8% power left on my iPad. I'm trying to save it so I get to the end. Um, I plugged it in last night, but apparently not all the way. Yeah, what? what, what yeah, what? There was a power outage? No, I didn't plug it in all the way. There was a power outage? Really? We have a backup generator in our house. I cheer for the power to go off just so I can watch it run. I'm not a nice neighbor. Anyway, 
No, I didn't plug it in all the way. Apparently the computer didn't care that I intended to do it. <laughs> kind of like God. Oh, I intended to go to church. God didn't care. Oh, I intended to help somebody. God didn't care. Oh, I was going to get some money. God didn't care. Anyway, my computer didn't care. What was I talking about? <laughs> oh, get out of the boat. Oh, yeah, okay. So, when you get out of the boat, it's creepy. Because you're getting out of your comfort zone. There is that moment. Again, if I'm writing the story, I'm really, you know, I'm giving drama and play-by-play. And I'd have a music score. As at some point, you've got that moment where you shift all of your weight onto the water. What was going through his mind? Well, see, that, I, that's how you know they weren't making this stuff up. They just kept it to the facts. I would have built on that. I just want to know, what was he thinking? It's uncomfortable. That moment in your life where you let go and start trusting God. And this can be your very first step of faith. It can be you've been a Christian for 50 years and at some point in some area of your life you need to start trusting God you've never done it before it's scary but you know you can trust Jesus he will never hurt you so what if I start sinking he'll reach out and grab you that's what he does to Peter we'll see in just a second but even that first step of faith first coming to Jesus can be very frightening for people for you to even come to a moment where you will trust God you're going to have to start doing something you've never really done before all your life, you've ignored God, and all of a sudden, you've got to start trusting him. That's a scary moment. I had a, got an email this week. Most amazing testimony I think I've ever gotten from anybody. So, check it out. We just get this, and we're just reading this story. But I have to back up to tell you the history, because this, this has happened a while ago. Now, it was a year or two ago, whatever it was, a year ago, my wife and I were, were driving around, and it's one of these classic, you know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I know, time to go to bed. You know, you never do anything because you're, <laughs> nobody can make a decision. Heaven forbid, we actually get to a decision. But it's what, wait, what do you want to do? I don't know. What it is. Well, let's go to a movie. So we decided to go to a movie, right? So we drive in. It's one of these off times. You don't know what's playing and stuff. And you drive in. I see this movie, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And I'm thinking, Kung Fu. And I like, you know, Jet Li and stuff like that. That would be cool. Let's watch people chop people up. So we go and we, well, it's not a Kung Fu movie. Oh, no, 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 no. No, there's a lot of foo in it, but it's not. It's just like, ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, this is nasty, nasty. (laughs) It should make a normal person vomit. I mean, you, you know, you go through the first one, okay, you live through that second one. The third one's like, oh, my gosh, we got to get out of it. I'm thinking, oh, my, they're going to recognize me. Because everybody recognizes me, right? Like, oh man, I'm in this half porn flick. Like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? And then I'm thinking, wonder if any of our church people are here, you know? <laughs> I gotta check that out. On the way, I'm looking, where are they? You better not know any of you guys, you know? So I'm walking out of there. So I have, we got to halfway, we gotta get out of there. And by the way, if you've seen this movie and you are not repulsed, there's something wrong with you. No, I mean that seriously. Is either something wrong in your head or your heart? Your filters aren't working. Is that you as a Christian person can watch all that and you just go, oh, it was a good story. Seriously, your filters are broken. There's, there's something wrong with you. I would really pray about it if I were you. And any of you parents who are dumb enough to let your kids see something like that, you should be horse whipped. You know, you know, you know what, the good thing that pilgrims had, they used to have stocks. You 
know, that's what we need today. Parents who do stuff like that, we should like stocks in the mall and lock them in there. And all day, you know, just throw garbage at their heads all day long as we walk by. Just, you know, teach a lesson. Seriously? You got little kids. I promise. There's little parents because they don't ever watch what their kids are watching. Terrible stuff. Anyway. So I come out of there. I'm like, whoa, gee, mama. So I got, I, you know, I got like 60,000 people who follow me on Facebook and Twitter and all this other kind of stuff. So, you know, they want to follow my ramblings of my brain. Which means there's a lot of people who have way too much free time. So, so I, I, I say, ho, ho, man just went and saw half of Dragon Tattoo, not about Kung Fu. It's, it's pretty disgusting. A lot of sex you don't want to see. Be aware. Well, then I set up this firestorm on my Facebook, you know, because, you know, 50,000 people, say, well, however many it is, they're not all conservative Christians. There's you know, some very liberal Christians who have no filter. They have no filters. They don't think anything wrong with anything. And then I got a lot of people who are just plain non-Christians. And they'll tell you, if you ever watch some of the postings on my Facebook, there's a lot of people just flat and they just like me because I'm so good looking. And, uh, but they, <laughs> but they're not Christian. In fact, you know, they'll tell you they're not Christian. I mean, a, a, a few weeks ago, you know, day after Thanksgiving, they call it Black Friday, right? I call it the annual running of the pagans. You know, so I think that's funny, right? Well, I had people writing me say, I'm a pagan. I found that insulting. <laughs> you admit you're a pagan? I mean, don't you kind of keep that to yourself? You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I said, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to insult the pagans. I just thought it was funny, you know. So, anyway. So, so there was some guy on my Facebook, or somehow, I was, he was kind of, I don't know, how, he, he says he doesn't know how I showed up on his wall. But all of a sudden, he sees this post. Well, he's a non-Christian, and he sees it. Well, who said it? Because, you know, rah, rah, rah. So he follows it, and he sees my thing, sees I'm a preacher. Well, he goes crazy. So he writes all these insulting things. So I blocked the guy. And he gets mad. I block people on my Facebook. They're nasty. I block you. And then they get mad. It's my Facebook. <laughs> Some morons. What? It's mine. You don't have a right to insult me freely. So I just blocked him. Well, now he's really mad. So then he chases out and he finds out that I got this show that I do. You know, it's on television, radio, around the country. Uh, if you have Dish Network, you can see it on Saturday nights. You can watch it on the internet. We're not around Green Bay. That show, I have a weekly show that a lot of you are watching right now. But this is the daily show about relationships, where people write me and I yell at them for an hour. So, so, uh, but I'm always careful not to yell at non-Christians. The people who make me mad are Christians, who don't act like Christians. It ticks me off. It just irritates me to no end. So what are you doing? But when someone says, I'm not a Christian, I don't yell at them. You know, I'm not one of these people who pick it. Heathens, when they act like heathens, they're heathens. You know? If a dog barks, it's a dog. If a cat meows, it's a cat. Now, if the cat starts meow- barking and the dog starts meowing, now we got issues. But up to that point, I'm okay. So this guy writes, You're a judgmental, hypocritical Christian. Ah, you know, he's got issues. So I answer the thing. So he's listening to the show. I said, Look, this guy sends me. He, by his own admission, he's not a Christian. He's mad because I said the thing about the dragon movie. But, you know, it's just, you know, it's not judging to call something disgusting. That's disgusting. Judging is when you see somebody do something, you don't know why they do it, and you give the reason why. That's judging. A lot of you married couples, you're very good at this. Why'd your house, husband do that? Because he's a big, fat, and sensitive jerk. That's what. You don't know that. That's, you know, there's a reason. Okay? 
And we often, somebody forgets to do something, we, yeah, you're a mama's boy, or you're, you're this or that. You guys go ahead and you start, and that's when oftentimes couples start yelling about things that have nothing to do with the original thing at all. Anybody ever noticed that before? You can't just argue about the toilet seat not being put down. It's because, well, because you don't care, you are not insensitive. By the way, why is the toilet seat our job? You can't check? Two o'clock in the morning, splash! Oop, she didn't check. You know, that's, what, what, why is that my fault? Because <laughs> you're an insensitive jerk. No, I'll just, you know, check. Anyway, so anyway. So I'm pointing out, if, if I were to say some bad things about this guy, and I don't know, I'm like, if I were to say, the reason he said this is because he hates God then that would be judging. Okay, right? That makes sense, right? So I'm pointing out that's not what I'm saying, but that would be an example. Well, all he heard was, here's the guy who hates God. The very thing I was trying to say not about him, he said, that's what I said about him. So he's furious. And he writes me this letter. We just got this letter. Uh, For days, I was like, I hate Mark Gunger. I hate Mark Gunger. I'm thinking, I need to start carrying a gun. (laughs) Seriously, one of these these crazy people are going to show up, knock on my door and say, you Mark Gunger? No, I'm I'm Lathan Duncan. (laughs) I can tell you where Mark Gunger lives, though. Just tell him I said hi. Anyway, you know, you know, there's a lot of crazy, right? There's crazy people out there. So I'm, I'm getting creeped out reading. I hate Mark Gunger. Whoa! And I didn't even say what he said. I said, "How can he say I hate Mark? How can he say I hate God? How can he say I hate God?" And then finally, he realized, "I must hate God." I thought I was an atheist. You can't hate something that doesn't exist. So he starts talking to God. And he's screaming at God at how much he hates him. And it's going on and on. And at some point, he realizes he's talking to God and he's talking to Jesus. And, and he has this connection. And all of a sudden, he just starts to, you know, really connect with God. And all of a sudden, he comes to this moment of faith in his life. And he feels this wonderful presence come over him. And the guy's getting saved as he starts out yelling at God. And then all of a sudden, he says, I started speaking in tongues. <laughs> Who goes... From I hate you to speaking in tongues. I mean, what the heck? I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? So this guy, his life was... And he writes this whole story just to say how much his life would be dramatically changed. Because now he knows Jesus in a powerful way. All because he hated Mark Gunker. <laughs> Why are you clapping? <laughs> yeah, they hate him, yes! <laughs> anyway, at some point... You got to get out of the boat if you're going to walk on the water. But what happens? Verse 30, when Peter sees the wind, he was afraid, begins to sink, cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. See, that's what will happen, folks. And then he says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? (laughs) Because you're not supposed to be able to walk on the water. But anyway, seemed logical to me. So they climbed back in the boat. As soon as they got back in the boat, the wind just... And those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, whoa, truly you are the son of God. I mean, if you had any doubts at this point, you're pretty much in. You know, praying for people, God answering prayers. But you start walking on the water, you get in the boat, everything comes down. Whoa! Very impressive. So when they crossed over, they landed at Genesaret. 
And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country, and people brought all the sick to him, and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Why would they do that? They never did that before. Do you remember? We just read a little bit earlier about the lady who touched the edge of his cloak and got healed. And of course, the word spreads like crazy, so everyone assumes, I've got just to touch the cloak. So now there are all the cloak people come out. So all this stuff. So now chapter 15. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law come up to Jesus from Jerusalem. They say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They're mad about that. It's not even the Bible. It's not just their tradition. And the tradition is you have to wash your hands before you eat because if you eat something that's dirty, it will pollute you before God. Which we'll find out next week when we get into it, when Jesus clarifies it. He said, look, it's not what goes in you that corrupts you. It's what comes out of your mouth. That's the problem. Right? Everybody gets this. So he has to explain this to them. But anyway, so he's all upset. They're all upset because you're breaking the tradition of the elders. Jesus said, tradition of the elders? What about the commandments of God? So he says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your stupid tradition? And then Jesus starts to go off on something that has nothing to do with what they're talking about. So clearly, this is something that's eating at him. We've seen this before, right? Always let us go off on something in the conversation. Well, here's what's eating at him. The Bible says, honor your father and mother. Now, when the Bible says honor, and he was talking to adults, not children. The Bible does say children should obey their parents, but that's children. When he said, honor your father and mother, it wasn't to little children. This was a command to adults referring to their parents. And very strong connection to financial consideration in helping your parents, obviously very elderly people uh, at this point. You know, most parents help the kids out for a long time, but uh, at some point, the honoring is, is you, you give back. In fact, uh, you'll see in a second, that's what Jesus, they all understood the honor thing meant this. Uh, in the New Testament, it says, uh, when it talks about compensating pastors, it says they're worthy of double honor. Oh, we should respect them twice as much? No, they're literally talking about money. I know of churches, there are several very fundamental churches, what they do following that verse is they find out the average income of the entire congregation, whatever the average income, and then they double it. That's what they pay their pastor. Because the Bible says they're worthy of double honor. Now, I'm not trying to get anything. I get little to nothing financially from this church, which is fine with me. Uh, you can say a lot of things about me. One thing you cannot launch against me is that I'm in this for the money. Okay, which is fine. You know, I do fine because people pay me to yell at them. You know, <laughs> doing these marriage conferences. And... They enjoy it. Anyway, so I'm, we're, we're fine. But, I, but my money doesn't come from this deal. I promise. I'm not saying that to get anything from me. I'm just saying that's what the Bible talks about. That's the honor part of it. Uh, and then what the Pharisees said is they wanted that money. And they said, well, we've got to give this to mom and dad. We've got to honor our parents. And they said, well, no, if you give it to God, oh God, if you give it to God, oh, then that's the same thing. So this is really ticking off Jesus. So he's really mad about this. He says, for God, verse 4, he says, for God said, honor your father and mother. And it goes on to say, anyone who curses their father and mother is supposed to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God with your, for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So he goes off on them about this very thing. Uh, let me just say this real quickly in closing this today. 
one of the things that you notice, this idea of honoring your parents. He's talking to adults. He doesn't say obey your parents. Okay? Um, children should obey their parents. When you become an adult, at some point, you need to start being responsible for your own decisions. In our culture, that's 18 on. The reason I'm pointing this out is I'm stunned at how many young people seem to be incapable of making their own decisions. And even if they feel God wants them to do the right thing, they will or will not do it because based on what mom and dad says. Some Christian families, and I think somebody's a little out of whack here. You're not under obligation to obey your mom and dad when you're an adult. You might want to listen to their wisdom. That's all fine. I say this because I know of young people who maybe they want to serve God. They want to take time give to missions, which we advocate. I think every high school graduate should take the first year, skip college, go serve in ministry somewhere. Then go chase your college. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else in your life will be added to you. We're upside down. Christian parents are upside down today. They seek first this. You gotta get this first. That's the number one priority. (laughs) Then we wonder why the kids are so messed up. Why our culture is such a disaster. I'm talking Christian parents who are consumed by this. And that's the number one priority in their kid's life. And they, no, you can't do that. You gotta do this and that. And they write me about it. Even with issue of marriage. And you know, I'm very pro-marriage. And if you're in love, I don't care how old you are. You want to honor God and do right? Get married and start building a life together. I just got an email. Two people, 24 years old. They want to get married. Well, we don't want to. Our parents said no. Seriously? Isn't it time to cut the umbilical cord? You're 20. Well, they want us to wait two more years to establish our career. First of all, how absurd is this? No one establishes a career in two years. Took me 35. We'd just now be getting married. Good grief. Well, my mom and your mom and dad? As a Christian, I think people are a little crazy in their heads here. Look, as a Christian adult. 18 on, you need to start making your own decision. You feel God wants you to do something, you do it. What if your parents don't like it? (laughs) Exactly right. That's disobeying. That's not. You are not on obligation to obey. And I'll tell you what. One of the reasons we are having this continuous culture of narcissistic, selfish behavior is parents have... Remember Jesus gave the parable of the seed? Some of the seed grows and then the weeds choke it out. The cares of this life. A lot of Christian parents fall into that category. They don't even see it. If the young people see it, mom and dad are very materialistic, narcissistic people. All they're concerned about is this, 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 this. If God's putting on your heart to do something right, you just say no to him. You move on. Or get them mad. So what? I don't get it. Honestly, I don't get it. There's something wrong with our culture. Because this idea of still... No wonder we got 32-year-old boys still living at home with mom. Good grief. I have one lady who says, well, pastor, I got a 27-year-old boy. I got to call him because he spent the night at his girlfriend's house and wake him up so he can come home so I can feed him breakfast so he can go to work. <laughs> Seriously? She should be in stocks. <laughs> this is crazy. What, what is this weird connection? Get on with your life. These people waiting until they're 35, still don't even have a girlfriend. 40 years of thinking about, oh, I might get married at 40. Dude, you're half dead. <laughs> this is 
seriously, people aren't thinking. What, what the heck? Well, my parents said, no, who cares? Now, this is going to sound very weird, but you know, in the 60s, back, back when the dinosaurs still roamed the earth. <laughs> Some of you guys remember the 60s? Some of you guys, how many of you were raised in the 60s? You know? Uh, you know what we did? Remember, we rebelled against our parents' materialism. The whole culture. History has marked the 60s as a turning point in America because young people rejected their parents' materialism. The problem is we went the wrong direction. We chased sex, drugs, and rock and roll and created the mess we have today. And I think, man, well, we, you know what we need today? We need a miracle in America. We need a spiritual revival. We need young men and women who will start rebelling against their narcissistic Christian parents and as politely and respectfully as they can tell them to stuff it. No, we're not going to chase all of this. We want to do right. We want to honor God in our lives. We're in love. We want to get married. Do you rather we fornicate? You know what a lot of Christian parents say? Yes! I have had them say it to my face. I'd rather our kids have sex than get married too young. Good Lord, no one ever such a disaster. Oh, because they worship at the God of money. Money, 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 money. Sadly, I see no sign of it. That's what we need. Maybe in 10 years, maybe 20 years, who knows. At some point, if we're going to turn this around, God help us. We need a generation of young men and women growing up in the church who, when they get of age, will rebel against their materialistic, short-sighted Christian parents and say, no, we're going to serve God. We're going to do life right. I don't care if it ticks you off. Good grief. I know I'm freaking out some of you, but good. Thank God we're celebrating Christmas. Thank God 2,000 years ago there was a young girl, and almost every theologian agrees that she was probably about 14 years of age. Thank God there was a young lady who agreed to tick off her parents. Who do you think was more mad about Mary getting pregnant? Mary or the parents? Oh, yeah, I'm sure mom and dad had a... But she said, yeah, I'll do it. No, they'll get mad. They'll get over it. I'll do it. At some point, we just, you just move on. And we got married at 18. Did your parents agree? No. Mad as a hornet. You see the pictures of my mom in our wedding pictures. (laughs) We should put those up someday. It'll be hilarious. Everybody's grinning except mom. She's like this. Through the whole thing. We got movies. You know, everybody's smiling. Get to my mom. Through the whole thing. It took her 10 years to get over it. So what? Get over it. Mom said no. All right. We'll take that under advisement. Right. And God bless my mom. It took her a while to really get to a place of faith and stuff like that. But if I would have listened to our parents, we wouldn't serve God. Why would you serve God? We would have never went out in the missions field and did what we did. Our parents were absolutely mortified by what we were doing. You're getting too married young. You're doing what? You're going where? You're doing... You're what? They had a fit. You know what we did? See ya. Of course, it was almost cultural at that time. Everybody was telling their parents to stuff it. <laughs> we did it from a right perspective. You know, and, and I hopefully some of you parents aren't this way, and you will encourage your kids to honor God and do it right. 
But if you have parents, and I'm talking to a big world out there, a lot of people on the internet, watch, I hope this thing goes viral. You single young Christians out there all around the world, at some point, you need to tell your parents just to get over it. Jesus said, if you love your mother and father more than me, you're not worthy of me. At some point, we need people who will do the right thing, even if somebody gets mad about it. Ideally, we'd have parents who are not clueless. But if they are clueless, then God help us, and hopefully the next generation will just start doing the right thing. In any event, when the Bible says, honor your mother and father, it does not mean that as an adult, you must subjugate yourself to what they want you to do. Sometimes, you just got to get out of the boat. It's scary. It's upsetting. They'll be yelling at you, don't get out of the boat! You know, but at some point, you just need to step out and do the right thing. Now, if your parents are for you doing the right thing, then great. If you have a plan to do the right thing, then great. But that needs to be number one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, faith is a scary thing to us. Lord, when you pulled Peter up, you said, what are you freaking out about? Well, to Lord, us, that's pretty scary. Faith is scary. All this stuff is kind of scary. But Lord, help us to let go and to let God. Help us to put the right priorities in their life. Thank you for young people like Mary and Joseph who did the scary, who did the right thing, even though I'm sure the family was very upset. Help us, Lord God, to not seek things and then squeeze you in on the side. Help us to do as you said, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things that you know we need will be added to us. Help us to get the right priorities. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.